Please open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 this morning. It's been a while since I've preached. It seems like a long time. I think it's been a, two months um, since we've been in Mark, at least two months. And I want to pick up where we left off in a few moments with a little review. But right now, I want to read to you the text. I want to read to you Mark 1, 40 to 45. Mark writes in verse 40, And a leper came to him, that is to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. And this is a powerful text. The text I've preached at least twice here in the past. And it's a text that amazes me, even this morning once again as I read it in my study. Because this is a passage that I think we can all relate to. We all sort of sympathize with one character in this story, the leper. In this passage, we read about a personal and a powerful meeting between Christ and a leper, an outcast. Let me give you an outline so you sort of can follow me this morning. In this passage, we hear four important exchanges between Christ and an outcast. First thing, first thing we hear is this. We hear the cry of an outcast in verse 40. The cry of an outcast. Secondly, we, we see the compassion of Christ in verses 41 and 42. And then thirdly, we hear the command of Christ in verses 43 to 44. And fourthly, we see the cleansed man's reaction to Christ and his cleansing in verse 45. Now, I think this passage will serve us in many ways this morning. I think this passage is a vivid reminder to us that we all needed Christ's cleansing touch, did we not? And it's also a reminder that we still need his cleansing touch today, not just at conversion but throughout our lives as Christians because we still get stained by sin, polluted, defiled by sin. At times we even feel like the leper, even as believers, we feel like an outcast among the people of God at times, like we don't fit in. So it's important for us, I think, to look at this text with fresh eyes, though I preached it twice to you before. I pray that this time God will move beyond my frailty 
and speak to your need. What I want to do to begin with, though, this morning is I want to talk to you about the leper's desperate need that he had for cleansing and compassion that only Christ could provide. We all know a little bit about leprosy here. We are all familiar with that from biblical narratives like this. But just put yourself in the position of the leper this morning. Think about what he must have felt like throughout his life as I read some of these things to you. And understand that leprosy in Jesus' day was, was what we would almost equate to something like AIDS today. It's a hopeless condition. There are certain things that maybe could extend their life, but eventually it would lead to death. But that wasn't the worst part of the leper's condition. The, the worst part, and we don't think about this often, the worst part was his lonely condition. His lack of human intimacy. His lack of human touch. Could you imagine when this man was diagnosed with leprosy and he had to tell his family and they had to shut the doors to the home to keep him out and his his wife or his kids or his mom or his dad could never embrace this man again. Leprosy is devastating, not just to the body, but to the soul. The dread of infection kept other Jews at a distance from this man at all times. It kept them at a distance primarily because God commanded them to stay at a distance, but also because they were fearful of this being contagious and catching it themselves. The law of God declared that the leper was unclean and commanded them to declare their unclean condition everywhere they went. Could you imagine what that would feel like? Every city, every group of people you come in contact with, you have to cry out, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Don't come near me. I think we can relate to this when we think about coming to God in our sinful condition. This is our cry. I'm clean. But as you'll see in the story, when we can't come to him, he can come to us. And he can transform us. That's what we see happening in this narrative. But the scriptures are clear in Leviticus 13. You don't have to turn there this morning. You can look at it later. It's in this passage, though, that we see the command for the leper to stand before anyone he comes in contact with and declare his unclean condition. And this led to him to never being able to enter into a walled city. It was, again, it was against the Levitical law even for them to touch him, to try to serve him. And at this time of Jesus' life here, um, some rabbis would boast that in order to protect their people, they would take up stones and chase the leper from their presence to keep them out. Just imagine the desperation and the loneliness that this man felt every day. You guys have all felt lonely But every day, every day isolated, every day feeling and acknowledging that you are defiled. This led to lots of consequences. Leprosy separated a person from their family. It separated them from the people of God and temple worship. I think it's in that way that leprosy illustrates to us the danger of sin in our hearts as Christians. 
I think it illustrates to us what unconfessed sin in our life will do to us as well. It will divide our families. It will drive us away from the fellowship of the saints. And it will disrupt your worship. When the Bible speaks of leprosy, it often is used to illustrate sin and its effect on man. Leprosy would affect the body in very visible ways, but it didn't always start out in the big manifestation. It started off small, then it began to grow until it infected the entire body. And in that way, it demonstrates the effect of sin in our life, even as Christians. I don't think anyone here knows anyone who's ever suffered from leprosy. I don't think we're in danger of suffering from leprosy, but I do think we're in great danger of suffering because of our indwelling sin. I think we face the power of indwelling sin daily. And we we see and we need to heed the warnings of Scripture. We see that it tells us in Scripture that sin leads to destructive things in our life. It will devastate, again, our family, our fellowship with other believers, and our fellowship with God in worship. Spiritual effects of sin in our life will discourage our walk with God. It will rob us of spiritual joy and zeal if we let it go unchecked. But there's hope for us in God's grace and mercy. There's hope for us if we follow the pattern of the leper here in Mark 1. If we confess our sinful condition before God. It says that Christ was willing and able to cleanse the leper. And he will cleanse us as well if we can do this. Now let me, let me review with you quickly where we're at in Mark up to this point in verse 40. In verses 29 to 39, we see Jesus going throughout Galilee. He's preaching the gospel. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. And this testimony was going forth throughout that region. And that testimony finally lands in the ears of a leper, an outcast. He hears about one who has great power and great mercy. Healing sick people who were stacked up like cordwood in front of Peter's house all night long. Casting out demons, setting people free even to his own detriment, to his own physical weakness, so that he had to go out and pray and restore his strength. We see the news of this come to the leper, and we see the leper respond to this testimony of God's mercy. Remember his condition. His condition was desperate at this time. He had nothing to lose in coming to Jesus. He was without hope in this world. And what he needed most, he heard that Jesus had. He needed someone who was able, that is powerful, right? Powerful enough to heal his sickness. And he had heard that testimony. But that's not all he needed. Remember, he's an outcast. No one can touch him. He didn't just need someone who was powerful. 
He needed someone who was compassionate enough to come near him. And that's what he found in Christ. In verse 40, we see this taking place. In verse 40, we hear the cry of the outcast in Christ's presence. Look what it says again. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Notice Notice the outcast's posture and his attitude. Notice what the outcast says and does in the presence of Christ. It says he implores him and he kneels before him. The New American Standard says he is beseeching Jesus here. He's begging and he's bowing before Christ in humble submission. I think there's a lesson for us in this. This is how I believe that all of us as sinners, even saved sinners, should come to Christ. Imploring Him and kneeling before Him when we are defiled by sin. Because we have nothing else to offer Him, do we? We have nothing to offer Him but our sin. And He alone can cure our condition. He alone can cleanse our condition presently. Now, we're reminded of that from the Old Testament Psalms. Psalm 51, one that you're probably familiar with. Go there with me. Psalm 51 may have even been on the heart and the mind of the leper when he was crying out to Christ. It sounds a lot like the leper here, and it should sound a lot like us when we are Caught in our sins. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. He is confessing his condition. And my sin is ever before me. He can't escape it. And he recognizes, as the psalmist writes, he recognizes against you, God. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So do so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, You delight in truth in my inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. That's the way I believe that we should come before Christ. When we know that we are in his presence and we are defiled by sins, I think we need to cry out like this. Oh God, you know that I have sinned against you. I am in my transgressions. And they have offended you. Have mercy on me. That's what we see the leper doing here. In verse 40 of Mark chapter 1, the leper, you'll notice, humbled himself as the psalmist does. He humbled himself in the presence of Christ. Now, saints, when you are in your sin, do you recognize that Christ is present? If so, this will be 
your attitude. This will be your posture. He humbled himself before Christ. And and he expressed, not just humility here, but he expressed belief in Christ's ability to change him. The leper says, if you will, you can make me clean. Isn't that astounding? That's, That's a faith statement. He is not just humble before Christ. He is also believing upon Christ. You can make me clean. He believed that Jesus could actually cleanse him of his defilement. But with the experiences that he had in Israel at this time, he just didn't know if Jesus was willing to come near enough to do it. He wasn't sure. No one else would come near So he comes begging, bowing, believing upon Christ because he needed him to come near with his grace and his mercy to cleanse him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I am in my sin, this is the way I feel. I feel like I'm not sure he'll come near to me, but if he does, he can make me clean once again. That feeling is what makes Christ's response in the next verse so absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Second point in Mark 141 is that we see the compassion of Christ toward the outcast. Look at how Jesus responds to the outcast's humble request and belief. And understand when I read this that Jesus still responds to humble outcasts who submit to the ability and the grace and mercy of Christ. Verse 41 says, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Do you you feel the weight of verse 41 in the context of the leper's condition? The loneliness, the despair, the lack of touch, and the way in which Christ cleanses him, saying, I am taking you in to make you clean, and I'm taking it personally. He's moved with pity toward the humble, penitent outcast. Mark is the only gospel writer that records that Jesus was moved with pity. The word could also be translated compassion. It comes from an Old Testament understanding of being moved in your inner being, your bowels, emotionally, deeply. Notice that Jesus was moved internally before he moved Physically, before he spoke verbally, he was moved physically near to the outcast who was in need of his mercy. Jesus could have just simply declared it. Why did he touch him? Why did he embrace him? Did he not know that he would be defiled by touching this outcast leper? Of course he knew that. And that's the point. To show the superiority of his mercy, his grace, and his righteousness. He took in the sinner and transformed him by his touch. 
think about this. Verse 41, it says, He stretched out his hand and touched him. Here Jesus is displaying his willingness to heal the outcast. Again, before he ever spoke that he was cleansed verbally, before he decreed it, before he stated it, he touched him, expressing his willingness to come near to the needy, the brokenhearted. Think about this, saints. What we see here is Jesus stretching out his omnipotent hand of mercy and touching a sinner, touching a defiled man. And it's not only touching him. We miss this so much in the English translations of the Bible that we have. This touch is better translated. He threw his arms about him. He fully embraced this man. Can you imagine what this would have been like? What this would have felt like? Everyone shunned you. Everyone ran from you. Everyone mocked you. Everyone despised you. No one touched you. And then Jesus appears in your worst state. And he takes you into his bosom. If you can't imagine what the leper felt, then I'm not sure that you're a Christian. Because this is our testimony, saints. This is what he has done for us. He embraced us in our filth. And his righteousness and his holiness was so much greater than our sin that it absolutely absorbed it. It covered it. This is amazing, again, because it was forbidden. But he was willing, the text shows us, he was willing to take on that man's condition in order to cleanse him. And aren't you glad he still does that today? He does that for us. He still does that when we need constant cleansing as Christians who are living with indwelling sin in our hearts. When I read this, it's reminded me over and over again that our Savior, our Lord, our Messiah is not a distant deity that simply decrees things to happen. He moves near to make them happen. He moves near in particular to the brokenhearted, the one who can confess his sinful condition. By touching the leper, Jesus was revealing that he was willing to become what the leper was so that the leper could receive what he had. Christ embraced the leper's condition in order to bring him restoration. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that's what Jesus did for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It says here, for our sake, that is the believer's sake, He, that is God the Father, made him, that is Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, that is Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Christ became sin for us, embraced us on the cross, so that we could receive what he had, which was righteousness. In Mark 1, 42, church, I think that we we see that Christ was moved with pity. It's obvious, it's clear. 
And it was Christ's compassion, I believe, that answered this man's humble cry for help. And I, and I want us to know something this morning. I want you and I to realize something this morning. I want you to know that it's Christ's ongoing compassion that still answers the outcast cry for help today. He will answer if you will but follow the leper's example. He will answer if you will humbly confess your hidden sins and bow before his lordship. I fear for many Christians, not because they'll lose their salvation, that is absolutely secure. But I fear that we hide sins in our heart that we won't confess to God or others to have them dealt with. And it will destroy us internally. It will sever our intimacy with God and with others. And it will stunt our spiritual growth because we have this thing called pride. And saints, I want you to know something. God already knows. Remind yourselves of this. He already knows. And he promises if we are brokenhearted over our condition, our hidden sins, and we but cry out to him, Christ is present and he will touch us. And he will cleanse us and everything in our lives will change. But I fear for us if we don't do that. If we're too proud to do that. Because it doesn't just hurt us individually, it hurts us corporately. It mocks the power of Christ's mercy as well. But he, he, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but he restores the man so the man can go back into fellowship and praise his name. That's what happens when he does that to us. He restores us so that we can come back and testify to his grace and his mercy to others so that they can testify to God's greatness. Just remember that Christ is still willing and able to do this. He's willing and he's able to restore us when we cry out to him for compassion. I was thinking about that last night and actually changed my notes, okay? So you have to bear with me here for a second. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, do I really believe that? Now, I believe he did that for me at the cross. I absolutely, without a doubt, believe he he cleansed my condition eternally there. But sometimes I struggle with, but does he still love me now in my sin, when I sin, when I fall short of his glory? Does he really want to embrace me at this point? I've failed him. And as I thought about that, some passages from Romans came to my mind. I'm not going to quote them, but here's my summary of it. If, if he embraced our curse on the cross to cleanse us, will he not still embrace and restore us in times of darkness when we confess our sins and our need of his mercy and touch? First John tells us he will. Go with me to First John. First John tells us, chapter 1, verse 5, that Jesus is still eager and able to embrace and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. And lest we become so familiar with this passage, I want you to stop as I read this and ask yourself, am I doing this actively? Or do I just memorize this? Do I just quote this? 
This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship, koinonia, with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, that is, dwell in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is willing and he is able, just as Mark says, verse 9 here in John. He is willing and able to continually Cleanse the brokenhearted sinner. As I said, I've preached this sermon before, and I have failed to get to this point, and I don't want to fail today. I don't want to fail because I think, I don't feel, my feelings are subjective. I have to look at objective truth. I think because of what I see. I think that there are probably many people here today that feel like the leper. I think you feel separated from God like the leper felt in his day. And I think you feel that way because you have hidden sins in your heart that are not confessed and not repented of. And you let pride keep you from doing that and bind you up in your struggles because you are unwilling at this point to bow before Christ in his presence. And God wants you to be brokenhearted and find cleansing. He wants you to confess your struggles to God, to him. And not only that, as we read the rest of the New Testament, we see that we're not called on just to simply confess our sins to God. We're also to confess to others whom we're struggling in the darkness of sin. Listen, I I say that I think that because oftentimes your struggle is evident to others. It's evident to others by your lack of fellowship in the church, your disengaged hearts in worship, and your unhappiness with your life. And I say that because I don't want to just point out your problems. I want to point you to hope in Christ. But I say that because I want you to know that you're not alone in the struggle with indwelling sin. We all struggle with indwelling sin. Everyone in this room. And we know that you are in pain when you feel this way. When you are disengaged in your heart from worship. When you are lacking fellowship with God. And when you are unhappy in your life. We feel that pain. We, we want to help you with that pain. But that, that means you must be willing, like the leper, to confess your condition. To humble yourself before Jesus and cry out for mercy and accept His hand of mercy. And saints, the way in which Christ reaches down and embraces lepers today is through the hand of his church. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. He wants you to seek him through his ordained means so that you can find healing and cleansing in your condition. 
Your church family is here to help you with that. We're, we're here not like the rabbis in Jesus' day. We're not here to throw stones and run you away when you fall short and fall into sin. We're here to help you bear your burdens. You can come to others in this church and confess your need of Christ's cleansing because every Christian in this church feels like the leper in this story. Because we have all hidden sin in our lives before. And we've let pride keep us from humbly confessing our condition to God and to others. And we have felt the consequences of that. Just your lack of zeal for the things of God is evident that there is something wrong with the Christian. For those who have been saved by this Jesus and lack passion for the truth, there is something wrong in your heart. God wants to restore that. He wants you to know that all you must be able to do is simply trust in what Christ has done and call upon him. He is there willing and able to cleanse you once again. I want you to know that because I don't want you to stay in that kind of condition. And everyone here has suffered in that kind of condition at some point. I want you to know you don't have to live there, though. The cleansed lepers all around you testify to that. They are here to help remind you that there's hope in Christ's compassion. If you would confess your condition and remember that Jesus is present even when you fall into the darkness of sin. His hand of mercy is extended to you through the hands of his people this morning. Saints, I want you to remember that Christ, just if anything sticks with you today, remember this. Christ is still willing and able To cleanse your conscience. Restore your fellowship with God and his people. He's able and willing to lift up your downcast souls. And restore to you the joy of your salvation. According to Psalm 51 verse 7. Psalm 51 verse 7. To verse 12. In this passage, we're reminded of that very truth. We're reminded that when defiled sinners cry out to God for mercy, God will create a new heart in us, a clean heart. He'll renew our spirit. He'll restore our joy. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your willing spirit. Saints, that was true for the psalmist. That is true for us. God is willing and able to do this if we would but confess our condition, our need of cleansing, our trust in Christ's mercy. Now go back to Mark 1.43 with me. Thirdly, in this passage, 43 and 44, we, we hear the command of Christ to the cleansed man. We hear the command of Christ to the cleansed man. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, 
See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them or for a testimony to them about Christ's mercy. The man failed. All right? He failed. Before you judge him too harshly, let me, let me get to some very important things about this text. The man was commanded by Jesus to go to the temple and show himself to the priest as Moses commanded, as a proof to them. Well, as a proof to the man, the man knew he was cleansed. But Jesus tells him this because of who Jesus is. He is holy and righteous. He said this to the man to fulfill all the righteousness of God's laws. He said this to the man to prove also that he was who he said he was. He was God's Messiah, full of mercy and grace. But don't miss this. Here's the point of his cleansing that we often skip over. He told the man to go prove to the people in the temple, the priests, that he had been cleansed. What was the purpose of that? Why would he tell him that besides proving his messiahship, but to restore him back into the fellowship of the people of God? He said to him, go back, tell them what I've done, and then you will be restored back into fellowship. Practically speaking, I, I had to ask myself, how does this apply to us? Well, this man's cleansing was intended ultimately to bring God glory, to bring God praise through his restoration. That's why he cleansed him. To prove who Christ was, to put him back into a place where he could actually declare among the people of God that Jesus is the merciful Messiah who touched me. God came near. He could only do that if he was restored back into fellowship. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, how do we apply that? Well, I think it is just as true today as it was then, that when we are cleansed by coming to Christ humbly and trusting in his cleansing mercy, we are brought back into fellowship with the saints as well as with God, so that we can declare to one another, Darren, Jesus changed me. He cleansed me. He set me free, Justin, from this sin that trapped me. He is merciful. He is mighty. I think that the way we do that is the way Scripture tells us to do that. I think the way we, we come to this place where we are at the temple, so to speak, confessing to others what Christ has done for us so that we could be restored and so that he could be praised. I think we do that by following what we see in James chapter 5. In James chapter 5. This is very important. It's often overlooked. Often misapplied because it's sometimes only applied to a physical need. But there is much more going on in this text than the physical need of the man who needs to be healed. The men who James are writing to are men who are suffering from many different things, persecution, physical ailments because of persecution, but also because of sin. He says in verse 13 of chapter 5, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. 
Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save. That is rescue. Okay? Not salvation necessarily here. Rescue the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I think this is a parallel somewhat to what Jesus is telling the leper to do by going to the temple. Come to the place that you have been separated from. Go to those lepers who are out there wandering so they can be brought back into right fellowship, so they can be rescued from their sins, so ultimately they can praise your name among the people of God. I think the command here, and there are commands here in James, I think they show us that when we humbly confess our sins to God and seek out help from others and seek out accountability from God's people, Christ's compassion will be evident. It will be there. It will prove to others that Jesus is still full of mercy and grace today. Even when Christians fall on their face, Christ is there through his church, willing and able to pick you up, to keep you from wandering. In Mark 144, Jesus commands the leper to go make his cleansing evident. He commands him to go make it evident that Jesus himself is the Messiah. So again, that others could rejoice because God had came near. And God is willing to cleanse sinners, defiled people, outcasts. I think that will happen even here in our church if we follow the pattern of James 5 in our care for one another. I think it will give proof to others here in our church who still have hidden sin, who still feel separated and severed from God and the fellowship of the saints because of their unwillingness to confess their sins because they don't know how they'll be received. And when they see how we receive sinners and try to restore them and love them and care for them, they are given hope and then they give praises to God for His compassion. I think this is God's reason for the church having things like James 5 here in the Scriptures. Not just to simply care for this guy's broken foot or his backache. To lead this man to the healing love of Christ when he feels severed and separated because of his suffering and sin. Now back in Mark 145, we see that the cleansed man 
listens to the command of Christ very well. I'm sure he heard him clearly. He had just maybe just released the man from his embrace. He's face to face with Jesus. He hears the command with new ears, right? Cleansed ears. But the man, when he heard the command, just couldn't wait to go to the temple to proclaim the good news about Christ's compassion to others. So the last thing we see here, fourthly, in Mark 145, is the cleansed man's uncontrolled reaction to Christ. But he went out and began to freely, or talk freely about it, this cleansing, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now, as I said earlier, there is no excuse for sin, for disobedience on this man's part. It's obvious that he ignores Jesus' direct command to simply go to the temple first. Then you could tell whoever you want, but go there first. He didn't do that. He was so excited, he just began to blurt it out. And there were consequences for this man's disobedience. It, it, it disrupted Jesus' ministry in this region. But wouldn't it have been hard for you to follow this command as well? Wouldn't it be hard to control your joy that you are now reveling in, rejoicing in? This man had been given a brand new lease on life. He'd been given a new life through the power of Christ's compassion. He had been a defiled outcast, and now he was clean. When Christ embraced him, he declared him clean and free from his past. Could you keep that in your heart? No way. I hope you can't keep it in your heart now. We're not given this command. When we're cleansed, we're called to go and keep on going, making disciples, right? Proclaiming this good news. But before we throw stones at the leper like the rabbis because of his disobedience here, let's remember what we would do in this same situation. Now, it is disobedience what we see here, but I don't think it was premeditated disobedience. It was almost like spontaneous praise coming out of his mouth. It's as if he couldn't hold it back. Because again, Jesus had touched him, embraced him, and everything in his life had changed. He was cleansed. He was given a new life. If you're a believer today, that's your testimony. It's your testimony from what he did in the past, but as he's cleansing you every day, as you come to him humbly confessing your sinful condition daily, this is still your testimony. You are clean. You are embraced by Christ. No longer defiled. You are loved. This man no longer had to walk into a city and put his hand over his lip and cry out, Unclean! unclean. This man came into this city and said, I am clean. 
I am clean because of Christ. That's our testimony, saints. It's an ongoing testimony. He is constantly there, present in our life, willing and able to make us clean and restore us to fellowship. And that is such good news for us. Because we do sin. We're all spiritually defiled at times. But when Jesus cleanses us, it changes everything. We were all spiritually unclean. But now we are eternally cleansed by Christ's embrace at the cross and His ongoing embrace of us in His grace. Christ still knows we struggle with the dark cloud of sin in our life from time to time. But I want you to remember that the blood of Christ that cleansed us at the cross will continue to wash us clean so that we can praise Him through our restoration. The blood of Christ that cleansed us at the cross continues to wash us so that we can declare his praise through our restoration. We see that one more time in Psalm 51, the last portion. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. This is why you come back to the temple to confess and prove you have been cleansed. This is why you come to the church seeking help and testifying to God's mercy. It's so that you can teach transgressors his ways and sinners will return to you deliver me from blood guiltiness O god O god of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness O lord open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or i would give it you will not be pleased with a burnt offering the sacrifices of god are what we see in the leper a broken spirit A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Saints, believers, if as a Christian you feel a distance between you and God, you and the people of God, and you feel like you're walking through life in darkness, I want you to remember something. Christ is present even in those dark times. Even when you feel the the separation, even when you feel the loneliness and the despair, Jesus is willing and able to cleanse you if you but cry out. And again, I fear that so many times because of pride we don't do it. it's, it's, It's a detriment to your soul and to the people of God and to God's praises. There's nothing to be before us ashamed of because we are all in the same condition under grace. There's nothing to be ashamed about before God because your sins have been forgiven. You're no longer condemned. So come to him. Confessing your sins, find restoration, find an ability within that restoration to declare his praise and reach out to other hurting Christians. 
who need to know that the church is here for them, not against them. Here to care for them and restore them back into right fellowship with God. If you feel this way, just if you feel distant, if you feel distant from his church and distant as in the darkness of this sinful world is surrounding you, remember that he is here. He's able to bring you back into the light of his love. And I have to say this at this point, too. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have not repented of your sins, confessed your sins to God, if you are here and you're still living in the darkness of sin, I want you to remember something very important here. God does not require you to find your way out of that darkness on your own, in your own strength. He gives you the example of what he wants, the broken heart, a humble heart, trusting in him to do what you're not able to do. He, doesn't, he wants you to know that Christ is there to bring you out, to bring you out of the darkness and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and restore to you the joy of salvation. If you would just come to him as a broken spirit. Come to him ready to declare his praise. We should all do that because Jesus is willing and able to make all of us clean. Heavenly Father, today I thank you for the compassion of Christ. I thank you for the embrace that all the defiled and outcast lepers in this room experienced at the cross where you threw your arms around us and you took on yourself, Jesus, what we were to give us what you are to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and to continue on cleansing us as our great high priest, covering us with your righteous love and your tender mercy when we call upon you in humility. We confess our condition and our need of your power, and mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for these truths that are in your word that testify to this church and to the world that you are not only sovereign, but you are good. We thank you in your name. Amen. In Colossians 1.13, Paul said that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of of his beloved son. And I think that's what uh, happened to the leper that day. Um, I think it's easy to see his physical condition as the main miracle, uh, but truly his heart was much darker than his physical condition. And that day he was transferred out of that domain of darkness and he was brought into the glorious light. And uh, I'm going to share a song that's called Even in the Dark. And... Um, I hope it encourages those who may be in a dark season or, or coming out of a dark season. I think it's important to know that uh, even in the dark, God is still on the throne. Even in the dark, Jesus is still the light of the world. And darkness can come from a lot of places. Uh, darkness can come due to the sin that you commit. I've experienced that. It helped inspire the song. Darkness can, can flood your life from the sin done to you by others. I've experienced that. And darkness can happen as a result of just living in this fallen world where things are broken, 
and the whole world is crying out to be redeemed and everything is pointing us to something out of this world to satisfy our hearts. Um, so this song is called Even in the Dark. And uh, the words will be up there and the chorus is very easy to sing. And I think it's important to sing these words aloud because it helps them resonate in our hearts. Uh, hopefully we could sing these words uh, in the dark times. And if you're in a season of darkness, just know that the light of the word uh, will light up your darkness and in the light of fellowship. Uh, and I know that whenever you don't want a fellowship, just remember that's, that's when you need it most. Furnace, I've come to no gain. Turn the heat up like propane. I'm propane. I'm for the struggle. I don't shun the hurt. You can destroy and crumble. I love my fumbled works. Feel like I'm under dirt. In a casket of seal. Labor and fruitless vineyards collapse in the field. Unmasking my zeal. Now the fact is revealed. Trying to justify myself living backwards for real. God uses the darkness to make me more sensitive to the spark lit. When the light of the gospel charges, and on my heart covered in dark tints, I recognize that the light's there. God, rescue me from this nightmare. This depression never fights fair, might fail. Terrified, paralyzed in a tight snare. But even still, even in the dark, I know you are God. Even in the dark, I know who you are, cause even in the dark, you will light. Even in my wrong, you will right. Even in the dark, I know you are God. Even in the dark, I know who you are, cause even in the dark, you will light. Even in my wrong, you will right. I'm well acquainted with this dark case. Need to be elevated from my heartache. I got pain, deadened by disappointment, wondering what the point is, wishing I could avoid this. Have you ever received news to remove the ground from underneath you? And that light that used to lead you, leaves you when you got nothing to cling to. It isn't true, darkness isn't dark to him. He's in the prison of affliction, you could call him friend. The light vanished because you turned your face. Eyes closed, face down in the dirt, not observing grace. This is the perfect place to get a fresh wind. Press in until he leaves an impression. Don't let sin dominate the flesh when the light of the world is your Lord and your best friend. And even still, even in the dark, I know you are God. Even in the dark, I know who you are. Cause even in the dark, you will light. Even in my wrong, you will right. Even in the dark, I know you are God. Even in the dark, I know who you are. Even in the dark, I know you are God, even in the dark.